Faxi's musical podcast is brought to you by Canna Provisions. Canna Provisions is an adult-use cannabis dispensary with the largest selection of cannabis products in western Massachusetts with locations in Holyoke and in Lee. They offer a warm, unique shopping experience with guides rather than bud tenders. In fact, they're not just a dispensary. They're a destination. Visit CannaProvisions.com. CannaProvisions.com. Please be over 21 and please consume responsibly. And now, Baxi's musical podcast. It's Rexy's Musical Podcast. Welcome back to Baxy's Musical Podcast. You know, on more than a few occasions over the years, I have completely stumbled upon an artist that I knew nothing about. And within a few short minutes of diving into their music, I became fixated, and those few short minutes would then quickly become a few short months. And what I often discovered is that these same artists have been dangling right in front of my face all along. I just didn't connect the dots. The same is true with my guest today, the wonderful Malcolm Spiegel. In the early 1980s, Malcolm Spiegel was the bass player and singer for the band Minimal Compact, a band from Tel Aviv, Israel, that had relocated to Amsterdam. This was a band that I remember playing at my college radio station back in the mid-80s without really knowing very much about them or who they were. Ironically, this was also the same period of time I discovered, among other things, the band Wire, one of the most uniquely influential bands of the first wave of punk rock in the 1970s. And while Wire was and has been one of my favorite bands, what I did not know is that Malka Spiegel was married to Wire's guitar-singer-songwriter Colin Newman. I just never put it all together. Nevertheless, it's a union of people that makes total sense, since these are two people of incredible originality who have collaborated with and have inspired each other for the remainder of their long and productive careers. When I tell you that Malka Spiegel has released some astonishingly incredible music, it's not bullshit. I mean it. Between her music with Minimal Compact to her collaborations with Colin and the band Githead, to the ambient product known as Immersion, to her incredible work, Malka Spiegel has created an absolutely gorgeous body of work that is totally worth pursuing. Her latest project is the release of a new album called Gliding and Hiding. This is an album that combines the music of her 2014 EP Gliding with her re-recorded 1994 mini-album Hiding, the result of which is a truly fantastic, totally cohesive collection of one of post-punk's true maverick talents. And so it is my pleasure to spend a few minutes with Malka Spiegel on Baxi's Musical Podcast. Malka, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Very, very good. I have been listening to Gliding and Hiding for a better part of a week and a half now. Oh, cool. And I absolutely... Love it. I mean, I mean, even though it's older material and some of it's been reworked, there's a timelessness about uh, about this music. Tell me about the decision to to combine these two EPs together because it's 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 an extraordinary release. Thank you. I mean, it makes me happy that you say it's timeless because I I hate sort of going back. If you know what I mean, I don't like the idea of sort of recycling and all that. So. <laughs> So, you know, I judge it on how timeless something is. So I'm very happy to hear that. And yeah, it was kind of a practical decision to start with because we had 
the gliding EP, which is my favorite kind of sounding record I mm. I released on under my name. And we said, okay, let's release it on vinyl. It never came out on a physical for- format. And then Colin said, well, it'd be better to do like an album format. So then we decided to see how it feels to work on the hide material and see if we can rework it because it's it sounds a, a bit dated the original mm-hmm. the sound so and yeah hopefully it sounds like they belong together yeah now that you know some of the the, the songs from hiding have been redone I, it does sound like a very cohesive record i mean i, I love the song you know, tall gray buildings uh returning wheel at the end of uh, at the end of the album and I just want, I mean, there's, it just sounds, it sounds like these records were really meant to be together from That's the very so cool. beginning. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm uh, delighted to tell you about that. Yeah. I know you don't like going, going back, but I, I have to for a second here because I remember playing minimal compact back in college and this would have been, oh, wow. this would have been in, in 80, 86, 87, somewhere around there. Um, right. and I think the song that we were playing at the college station at the time was, uh, was nuclear twist. Okay. And, uh, you know, unfortunately the, the band kind of broke up not too far past that. And we never got a chance to see you guys play live in the States. My understanding, and just, you know, correct me on this. If, if I'm, if I got this way off, my understanding is there had been visa problems, which had prevented you from coming into the States. It's and- correct. I mean, actually we had suitcases ready, so we were told about a day before it was, what was that? I, I forgot what it's called, but there used to be uh, some kind of a, a event every year in the States where you brought all the kind of cool bands to play. I forgot what it's called. It's a long time ago. And the la- last minute we were refused visas uh, for a stupid reason that, you know, I don't know. At the time they were f- weird about uh, letting foreign bands play. You know, they want to give space to American bands, but uh, you can't replace one with the other. It's right. a stupid argument. But yeah, it's true. Well, <laughs> it kind of uh, broke a spirit a little bit. And because we kind of did well in Europe and America was the next kind of step. And when it didn't happen, it kind of almost led towards you know, the band not continuing. Yeah, so yeah, it, it had to be an exasperating moment to, to be, like you said, your bags are packed, you're ready to go. You're looking to break into the, uh, into the U S market and to have it suddenly taken away from you. I, I mean, I'm not surprised. I don't know if too many bands would have survived that no matter, you know, how cohesive you guys may have been at the time. Yeah. I mean, it's partly, we were kind of like achieved quite a lot and as happens to many bands, you start kind of innocent and passionate and the more successful you become, the more in some ways it pulls you apart, which is kind of absurd, but that's how it works. So we needed the next step, which didn't happen. It's interesting because I think a lot of Americans just don't think of Israel as being uh, like a fertile ground for, you know, musical culture. But, you know, Tel Aviv is... It really is like a like a vibrant cultural center of uh, it of, is now, uh, but at the time it was a desert in terms of music, especially there was we left. I mean, I wasn't even a musician when we left. We just left because it was so boring and <laughs> everything we loved musically was from the outside. Right. So 
we definitely there was not much going on it I mean nowadays we have a radio show so we kind of look at new music and there's quite a lot of young artists from Israel who are not looking to sound like abroad if you know what I mean there's <laughs> they're kind of more original which is a good thing was the, the I mean you say it, it was kind of like a like a creative desert at the at the time but it was was it particularly difficult for women who were interested in oh, music definitely I mean I didn't even imagine that I can be a, a, in a band because I couldn't play. Uh, technically, I thought like in Israel at the time, you had to be like really good at technically to be able to play. And when we we went to Amsterdam and we used to go every week to gigs and there were lots of bands that were really interesting and powerful, but they were not technically any anything impressive. And I thought, wow, <laughs> I can relate to that. And I still... I'm the same now. After all those years, I never practice or bother with technique, which, yeah, it's partly laziness, but yeah. Well, it, 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 it's funny that you, you would wind up you know, with Colin Newman because punk music back in, in the UK in, in the 70s didn't start off all that different either. There was a lot of bands that didn't know what the hell they were doing. You know, they totally, just, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of interesting parallels between what you may have experienced coming from Tel Aviv to Amsterdam to what he must have experienced in London back many years True. ago. I mean, we both don't consider technique as something important. So <laughs> we're similar in that way. And yeah, I mean, of course, I, I mean, we had a copy of a Wire album in, in Tel Aviv before we left. So I was aware of Wire already. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a big fan of Wire for, for a long time. And since 1985, the two of you, you and, and Colin, have been almost constant collaborators artistically and musically, and it seems as though you guys have both inspired each other and drawn a lot out of each other creatively. Tell me how the two of you discovered that level of chemistry. It's really hard to say. I mean, from the very early time we've been together, we we started on a very basic kind of level recording to cassette or something, but we, I was used to play, always play. So minimal compact, we used to entertain ourselves playing together not necessarily for any purpose, but for pleasure. And I think Colin came from a different kind of discipline. He used to write songs and wire would play them. So I think it was kind of fascinating for him to kind of jam and create music from in that way. And, uh, yeah, we started very early and never stopped, really. I've I been spending the last week or so really kind of digging down uh, you know, deeper into that period from you know, minimal compact until until now, trying to just to reacquaint myself with uh, with your music. Like I said, you know, with, when minimal compact wasn't able to to come here, it was almost like, well, I, I didn't know enough about the band to say I'm going to follow this for for years. So to going back on it was actually a lot of fun because there was just so much interesting music that you had produced stuff that while it's experimental in a lot of ways, it's also really accessible sounding stuff. Like it's the kind of music that you could, you could put on and relax or drive to it just, there, you know, for a listener, so it's like almost a, a real nice practical reason to grab a get head record or, you know, any of your records or even the stuff that, uh, that he's done with wire since then. And I think that's yeah. actually kind of, I don't know if it, if it's by design or you're really just kind of doing it for yourselves, but from a listener's point of view, that's what I get out of your music. There's really an accessibility about it, which is wonderful. Oh, thank you. I mean, we just 
follow our instinct really and it's the kind of music we like as well so <laughs> i guess not directly from anything specific but we are influenced by that mixture of experimental and and catchy and sort of pop and experimenting at the same time i, I really fell in love with the uh, with Githead. i thought that was just a phenomenal project between you and colin and the others that, that were involved in it Tell me about that project in, in particular, and, and how does it differ from when you started to do the project with Immersion? Well, Immersion is just Colin and myself, and we, we're so close as people. We just somehow create this music without really uh, <laughs> any <laughs> barriers, if I can say that. While Gitarra is a proper band, and we created the music together between us. We were very easy with each other. I mean, Robin comes from completely different background. He's like Mr. Scanner, you know, he's like uh, doing proper art stuff and more kind of noise electronic stuff. Max is the drummer of Minimal Compact. So it was a fascinating kind of putting together people that unlikely to work together by it work. Cause when we stood and played, we just, student played well max was sitting but yeah um yeah it was just playing together and coming up with songs and then recording them we played live as well i mean the problem with GitHub is that robin is doing a lot of art projects which are booked in advance max lives in amsterdam so mm -hmm. it became really hard to continue in terms of if you're in a band, you want to be on the road. You want to be constantly doing stuff, and that got difficult. But yeah, we all good friends. When you're um when you're writing together with Colin, or even on your own, or even when he's writing it on, I mean, I, I would imagine there's there's kind of there has to be some level of negotiation. You know, the, like a, you know, here's a song. Where does it go? Does it go in my album? Does it go in your album? Does it go to this project or or uh, another? How does that how does that work between the two of you? I think we start knowing what project we're working on because otherwise it just becomes endless. I mean, we can play guitars, we can play keyboards. It becomes, although Immersion got more guitars and, you know, when we do solo stuff, we have electronic stuff, but we do start being aware of where which project we're starting. And it's quite practical because we have a studio and needs to have some kind of order. I mean, I come from just playing for pleasure, but we need to have some kind of uh, <laughs> decision. And let's say we're working on immersion. So we have a feeling of what immersion is or where it might go. And then we kind of work from that. And it starts with a kind of, I don't know if you call it jamming, sounds a bit whatever but uh, we just play and then we judge it as it goes and it as it builds up we make decisions so the more you build it up the more you kind of use your judgment rather than your instinct if you know what i mean i do what's yeah, what's interesting to me is i'm a married man i love my wife to pieces but how how could we work together uh you know creatively like that without you know, having it either you know, positively or negatively affect our, our relationship. I think it, it must say a lot about the relationship that the two of you have together, where you can be as, as creative as you, as you choose to be, but at the same time, also understanding of where the pieces fit. That's actually, I think, a, a pretty interesting idea because a lot of musical partnerships don't necessarily survive I know. that kind of <laughs> dynamic. I think, Partly, first of all, we started that way. So 
we fell in love and you know more or less straight away as we started living together we were making music so it kind of uh, we grew as a couple and our music grew with us together mm. so and I think we don't have big ego between us when it comes to music I mean I'm used to in bands there's always big egos and things are never spoken or people feel resentful but never say it and people feel it becomes a power game sooner or later I don't think there's a band in the world that doesn't have a little bit or a lot of that mm. and when you're a couple and you you know you're very very open you kind of lose that and I used to think that tension is important like Lennon McCartney there's a kind of tension and <laughs> But I, th I think from working with Colin and being very easy, I think it's fine, you know. You can be creative and do interesting stuff and not have tension. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> or, I think I think sometimes you know healthy collaboration can also pull out a lot of a lot of artistic creativity as well, just as much as you know hating the next guy in the room. It's, it's a different effect. Yeah. yeah. You guys, as uh, both of you, you and Colin. And, and in all of the iterations that you've had during your career, breaking into the, the U.S. market, I don't get the sense that's, that's always been it's something that is terribly motivating to you. But you know, in, in a way, when you talk about minimal compact being denied entry through, through visa issues and even wire, you know, they, I mean, they were able to come to the States and, and perform a couple of times. I mean, I remember seeing them back in the 80s. But it, it's not like either band necessarily lent themselves to great commercial uh, notice. Well, Wire, when Wire play, they do draw audience in many cities, and they've been playing over the years quite a lot. Yeah, it's all relative, of course. <laughs> so, but I think it's quite hard, the American market. It's so big and quite mainstream mainly i don't know yeah i mean we did an immersion tour coast to coast which was amazing not to a lot of audience but it was one of the best experiences i ever had driving from la to new york and stopping in many places in between and playing was amazing well i i think one of the things that uh, that i've learned by talking to a number of musicians and, and bands is that when they're doing it for themselves and, and they're and they're doing it either for the for the art or whatever that winds up being a hell of a lot more satisfying to them personally than if the motivation is we need a hit in the United States or you know, oh, yeah. we need a sold out tour. It's like, you know, that's, that's all very well and good. But is the moment you start to think that way is the moment you place undue pressure and expectation, which undermines everything that you can accomplish. Totally. But that's why I was talking about minimal compact. Yeah. We got to a point where we need a hit. We need to go with a major label and blah, blah, blah. And you lose your innocence, your instinct. You become calculated. And that's not very interesting. You're also a, a, a rather accomplished visual artist. Tell me about that and, and, and how you've tied music and, and, and visual art together during your career. Um, I started with music first and I discovered a photography which is called lomography, which is kind of like analog, you know, uh, a very specific look. Uh, and it completely relates to how I like to make music, which is you don't think about it, you're not technical about it, you just shoot. It's a very instinctive, quick, before your brain gets engaged, you're taking a picture. <laughs> 
that's how I do it till now, you know. I mean, logography, I don't know if you can look it up. It's like, it started by some Austrian student who discovered a Lomo camera. Lomo was a factory in St. Petersburg, Russia, and they made compact camera, I think early eighties, which was kind of for the masses, but actually it had a very interesting lens that produced some weird pictures. So <laughs> it kind of created a cult following. I mean, there's lots of kind of cameras that were created after that from, from Lomography, but yeah, it kind of, for me, it was like music. I suddenly could take pictures and, it was instinctive and I didn't have to think about it and I don't have to, you know, yeah, accomplish. I mean, I had some exhibitions, but it's not my aim. I did follow uh, links from, uh, you know, some of the press stuff that I had gotten and, and looked at some of those photographs and they're really, they're really interesting. You know, what's being done with Lomography. I think it's, I think it's a, it's a very, very cool medium, you know, Definitely. artistically. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's really impressive. I mean, you, you say you start off with music. Do you have a, a, a preference of which one that you prefer to do? I mean, or do you even separate them like that? I couldn't say. I mean, it's like two different things. They feel similar when I do it, but, you know, they're both very different way of expressing yourself somehow. I mean, music and visual. So, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, yeah, I take pictures as I walk. You know, we go for a walk every day. I take pictures. It's almost like, you know, breathing. You just go click, click, click. While music, you you play and it gives you a certain feeling. So they are quite different emotionally, maybe. I don't yeah. know. What's apparent to me by, by looking at those photographs and then you know, listening to the music that you have produced and Colin has produced is there is an atmospheric sense to all of it. I know right. Wire's always been told, it always been said to be, you know, minimalistic. That you could argue that all day long, but there's an atmospheric presence in in your art, visually and musically. Is is that intentional? Is that what drew you into lamography, or is or am I uh, way off on that one? No, I mean, yeah, I think it's kind of was instinctive. I saw a program on BBC Four, which is kind of the, the art BBC. And there was a program about this weird lomography. And as soon as I saw the pictures that it produces, I was like, that's me, <laughs> that's me. And I was desperate to find this camera. And somehow I find myself as part of that movement. And yeah, there's a certain mystery, I guess, to music that I love and the pictures that I love. <laughs> With the new album, Gliding and Hiding, um after listening to a lot of other stuff that you've done, to me, it's a perfectly great entry point for anyone who's interested in finding out more of your, of your catalog. It's a, it's, a, it's a really great place to start. And even going back to the minimal compact stuff, which is you know still available, still out there uh, for people to enjoy. Is there any sense of you being able to maybe tour with that record? Would you consider new material out there? Or are you, are you not at that point? I mean, touring comes with, with demand. I don't know how much, you know, there is demand for, you know. <laughs> I mean, the market is so, so crowded now with lots of people. Everybody's touring and releasing albums and some people get much bigger promotion. I mean, we do it kind of ourselves with the help of few yeah. people. Yeah, I mean, we toured uh, Roche Balata, my original album, so we played some gigs in Tel Aviv and that was great. We found technically a way to do it because uh, 
it was created you know, it was impossible to recreate just playing. So we found a way to combine instruments. And so it's not out of the question, but yeah. But I'm definitely interested in making new music. That's yeah. my favorite thing. <laughs> now, you, you do all of this at home now, right? You don't, you're not going to different uh, studios necessarily, but you're, you're doing it all in a home studio. Yeah, mainly. I mean, we recorded, there's a nano cluster project, which we collaborate with other artists. And you should check it out. It's quite an interesting collaboration came out last year. And in that case, we went to a studio only recently and played with uh, the drummer, Matt Schultz from Holly F and mm -hmm. other musicians. So yeah, we do go out, but we're very comfortable here and we can choose the time when to do it. And that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I know since the pandemic does uh, at least here in the states a lot of people have you know decided to you know work from home and and work remotely i mean your, your commute to work is probably what 10 12 feet from <laughs> from, from the kitchen table <laughs> well we cross the little courtyard and uh, yeah there it is <laughs> so yeah it's part of our house and yeah it's good like that i mean sometimes it's good to go somewhere else and it kind of throws you into a new environment which can be a good challenge and but uh yeah we do that sometimes but yeah. mainly we do it here well i like i said i i absolutely love uh, gliding and hiding it sounds so great and and there is legitimately a timelessness about about it and i think people if they if they go and and and, and listen to it they'll know exactly what i'm talking about best of luck with it i like i said it's it, it is it is wonderful and I'm i'm so glad to have talked to you about it because I, I have been I have been listening to it constantly, and it's oh, uh, it's just wonderful. You. Thank you very much. It makes me happy. <laughs> Absolutely, Malka. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for the time today. Thank you. I Bye. appreciate it. Bye, Bye now. The name of Malka Spiegel's new album is Gliding and Hiding. You should also check out her radio show with her husband Colin Newman called Swimming and Sound. Thanks to Canna Provisions for supporting the podcast. You can support them by going to cannaprovisions.com. Thanks for listening. You can email me at backsatrock102.com. I'd love to hear what you think, and I'd love to have you back for the next episode of Baxi's Musical Podcast.